the musical madness and mayhem continue in this sumptuous sequel to the Rocky Horror Picture Show on DVD for the first time ever. In the continuing adventure of Brad and Janet Majors, their suburban hometown, Denton, USA, has been transformed into a giant TV studio where the brainwashed citizens remain happily glued to an endless series of soap operas, variety acts, and game shows. But before you can say... We'll be right back after this. The station's unscrupulous sponsor has locked Brad up in a mental hospital and recruited Janet to be the sexy star of her own hit show. Stay tuned for a shocking lineup of maniacal characters, biting satire, and all-out fun. I'm Corey. And I'm Paul. And we are... The, the B-Movie, B-movie Bros. Bros. Here, if you B-movies to the best of our ability. Sometimes we get off topic, but randomness is a gift. This week, as we round out musical month we are taking a look at the 1981 film shock treatment which yes as you heard on the back of the box is of course the sequel to the 1975 cult classic the rocky horror picture show and we use the term sequel very very loosely in this case well let's just dive right into this shit with our technical difficulties top and bottom three of this movie let's start out with the bottom so we can figure out what the top has to be number three for me why is there a song about kitchen appliances? It makes no sense. It's just grasping at straws. I don't understand it, and I don't care. Number two, everything in this movie is just so forced, from the songs to the acting to even the rhymes within the songs. Nothing seems to fit together properly, and I just can't stand it. Number one, this is not Brad and Janet. This is supposed to be a sequel to the Rocky Horror Picture Show, yet the only two recurring characters we have are not played by the actor and actress which they were originally played by. We do have some recurring actors and actresses, but they play different characters. Why the fuck did we not have those characters coming back? Why do we have characters coming back who aren't played by the same actors, but actors coming back playing different characters? It makes no fucking sense. Paul? Yeah, there was a lot of bad in this movie. Oh, my God. For number three, there were no good songs in this entire movie. And in a musical, that's a really big problem. Every song was painfully forced. None of them were catchy. And they sounded like they were just singing normal sentences for no apparent reason. They didn't even really sound like songs half the time. Plus, the majority of the cast sounded terrible. I'm not sure if it's because they just couldn't sing in the um, vaguely established character personalities they were given, or they were just bad singers. Either way, it was really unpleasant to listen to. For number two, I understand they couldn't get the original actors to play Brad and Janet, and Janet from Rocky Horror Picture Show, but then they should have just made new characters. Other than trying to make this a sequel... Like, which it's not a sequel to the Rocky Horror Picture Show to to draw in fans of that. It served absolutely no purpose in the plot. It doesn't connect to that movie in the slightest, and the characters are completely different. And number one, the plot from beginning to end felt like I just walked in the middle of a movie and just couldn't figure out what was going on. It was like there was a story to this movie, but the creators forgot to tell the audience and just threw a bunch of random bullshit at us, thinking that we would know what was going on. It was... It gave me a headache just thinking about it. 
Well, that's I didn't read the back of the box before we watched the movie, but the back of the box actually explains what happened. Like, the town is now a TV studio, and they're all trapped there because why? Yeah, when I was listening to that, I'm like, that's what they were trying to portray? Like... So I, I guess there was an explanation, but it, it still doesn't make sense. Not at all. I guess it's time to take a look at the top three here. For me, number three. At one point, the characters in the movie are all playing Space Invaders on arcade cabinets. And, okay, Space Invaders is a great game. Number two. The painting American Gothic is actually shows up in the background of the dressing room quite often during the scenes in the movie, which is a nod to the Rocky Horror Picture Show, which we all know is a much better movie. I also like how the guy in the gothic picture kind of looks like Richard O'Brien in the movie. And at number one for my top, I have to say that I fell asleep for about 20 minutes during this movie, and that was the best part because I no longer was tortured by shock treatment for that short period of time. You know, that was my favorite part of the movie, Pixels, too. I think they might have ripped it off from that. Oh, man. Every positive thing I can come up with for this movie just feels like I'm apologizing for it. Like, I'm giving it way too much credit than it it deserves. For number three, I think this movie had a theme about the dangers of consumerism and too much TV. Now it's made our society self-absorbed and basically detached from things like community and family. I I think that's what they were getting at. Number two, the original idea for this movie was called Rocky Horror Shows His Heels, which was actually supposed to have Frankenfurter and all these other characters from the movie kind of coming back to life, but it fell apart due to a lack of budget and most of the original cast dropping out. So, Good on them for trying, despite having absolutely nothing going for it. You know, they they tried. They really did. And for number one, there was a twist at the end of it. I don't know. The main villain was Brad's twin brother something. So good for them for trying the twist ending. So there you have it, our top and bottom three. Let's, uh, let's have ourselves a little quote war. Quote war. And give you some of the dialogue here. Faggots are maggots. Thank God I'm a man. The false promise of a new dawn usually leads to a most bloody sunset. And that's it for this episode's edition of Quote Wars. If you have a favorite quote from this movie, please leave us a comment here on SoundCloud. Tweet us at Bros or at Paul. Or find us on Facebook at B Movie Bros. Yeah, neither of those quotes, by the way, had anything to do with the rest of the movie. They're just kind of randomly there. It was really odd. I everything was so disconjointed. This fucking movie. Yeah, there's no context to those quotes, and there was no context to them in the movie either. So you're not missing out. Since this was a musical, let's give our best and worst song of the movie. For me, the best song was the uh, the Look At Me song, was Janet's song that uh, happened to be like seven words long. It was the shortest song in the movie, therefore, it was the best. Honestly, all these songs ran together. I couldn't even tell them apart, really. they To me, they were all just one long song that went on way too long and made me want to just stick 
like a like a knife or something or an ice pick in my ears to make the pain go away. I I can't even choose one to be honest. Well, I have to say that I think the worst song had to be Denton Denton because it is both the opening song and the finale. So it starts off this shit fest and closes it out too. It was so bad that for some reason they thought they should use it twice. I I felt like it was just that was the only song that played throughout the whole movie. It started and then it ended, and it was all just one continuous song which took breaks in between to to talk a little bit. This was oh my god, it was all terrible. I don't think I've ever seen a musical before where all the songs are fucking awful. Let's give Shock Treatment our final take here. We'll give it a score on our shot scale. Remember, friends, our shot scale is a reverse scale. One to ten. One being the best, ten being the worst. How many shots do you need to get through this movie? What'd you give it, Paul? I give this movie a nine out of ten. Pretty uh, pretty good there. I gave it a ten out of ten. How come nine? Shock Treatment was an abomination. The plot is a mess. The songs make my ears bleed. And just about everything about this movie fails. I'm not a, a huge fan of the Rocky Horror Picture Show. But that movie at least had some charm and creativity and deserves the cult classic status that it has. Shock Treatment is a poor attempt at creating a cult classic by trying to artificially create everything that made its predecessor good and failing miserably at it. It didn't work and it became an abysmal failure. This movie shouldn't be watched by anyone and should be ignored forever. The writer and director of Shock Treatment, Richard O'Brien, said it best when he called this movie an abortion. Well, I have to say I gave it a 10 out of 10 because this movie is a fucking shit pile of flesh-eating scarabs come to life and force-fed to its audience. Nothing has meaning or reason. The recurring characters from the original movie are played by different actors. And why in the bloody fuck did we sing about appliances? Who thought this was a good idea? Falling asleep was the best part of this movie, and I can't stress this enough because it just let me escape from the torture of shock treatment for just a short, wonderful period of time. One thing about this movie being a forced cult classic is they allow a weird amount of pauses between songs and dialogue because you can tell they're really sure that there would be callbacks in it, just like in Rocky Horror, which is famous for that. This movie tried so hard and failed so miserably. It is just an absolute mess. Well, we know not everyone likes to watch the same kind of shit that we do, so we like to give every B-movie we review an A-movie companion, a movie of higher class and higher standard, and tell you why that movie is the same as this movie. For shock treatment, I picked the 1983 movie Staying Alive. Paul? I picked Back to the Future 2. I picked Staying Alive from 1983 because both Staying Alive and Shock Treatment are sequels to well-loved movies from the 70s. Shock Treatment being the sequel to the 1975 Rocky Horror Picture Show and Staying Alive being the sequel to the 1977 Saturday Night Fever. Both sequels were released six years after the original film was produced. Both movies were generally received horribly by fans of the original movies. And finally, both sequels were only rated PG when their predecessors were rated R. They dumbed the movies down or wrote them specifically to try and garner a wider audience and actually in the process lost some of their audience from the original. 
So I picked Back to the Future 2 because both movies were unnecessary sequels that no one asked for. Both movies were made to capitalize off the success of its predecessor, and it ended up failing to capture what made the original movie so memorable. Both movies made the protagonist less likable and with weird character flaws they never had in the original. In Shock Treatment, Brad became a complete bumbling fool, while Janet became a narcissistic attention whore. And in Back to the Future 2, Marty McFly somehow gained a huge chip on his shoulder and just started taking every insult, like, really personally, no matter how ridiculous it was, just to give him some kind of character flaw. And finally, neither movie should be watched by anyone, unless it's used as an example of what not to do when making a sequel. So there you have it. If you want to watch an A-movie version of Shock Treatment from 1981, you can take a look at Staying Alive from 1983 or Back to the Future Part 2. If there's anything I, like, I think we can learn from this movie and movies like Back to the Future 2 and other really bad sequels is people can tell when a movie was made with with some kind of love, like where somebody said, hey, I have a really great idea for a story. I want to make, this is my story. I want to tell it. And when a movie's made basically by a boardroom just trying to make money, like just you can tell how manufactured it is and how ungenuine it is. And it's just very apparent to the people who really like the original. And I think that people can just tell when something's genuine and when something is just a really bad attempt at making money. And with that, I think it's time to drink away the flick. Drink away the flick. Come on and grab your drink. Let's drink away the flick. I'll give you some drinking games, and then so will Paul. Number one, anytime a product is advertised, take a drink. Number two, whenever Denton Vale appears on screen, take a drink. Number three, whenever someone puts down Brad, take a drink. Number four, anytime a conspiracy is mentioned, take a drink. And number five, of course, because it is musical month, every time a new song starts, take a drink. Every time there's an awkward pause intended for callbacks, take a drink. Every time a household appliance is mentioned, take a drink. Every time the audience cheers Janet's name, take a drink. And every time the audience is told what to clap to, take a drink. And those are your ways to drink away the flick. As we've come to the end of the month, I think it's time for us to rank all four movies we've seen this month from worst to best. For me, number four had to be Shock Treatment. I, I can't even say anything about it. Number three, Dr. Horrible Sing-Along Blog. I think it was horrible, just as the name implies. Number two, Nudist Colony of the Dead. Funny, great songs, and, you know, all-around general B-moviness. Number one, Cannibal the Musical. Well done, good songs, and the word, Spidoinkle. This won't come as a surprise to anybody, but for number four, shock treatment. There was absolutely nothing good about this movie. It was a horribly manufactured piece of shit, just trying so hard to be a, cl a cult classic. I, there was, like I said, there was absolutely nothing good about it. For number three, Dr. Horrible sing-along blog. It wasn't a great movie, but... It was entertaining and definitely had some good moments um, every so often. For number two, Nudist Colony of the Dead. 
it's so bizarre, so weird, and even just the name of it just blows me away at the fact that somebody came up with such a weird idea. But it was actually pretty good for a movie I had no expectations for. And finally, number one, Cannibal the Musical. I I would watch this movie every day of my life, and I would never get bored of it. It's just that good. Well, as we round out Musical Month, uh, if you want to join us next week, we'll be taking a look at cult classics once again. And we'll be starting off October, our cult classic month, with the 1989 cult classic UHF starring Weird Al Yankovic. If you have any comments or questions, you can leave them here on SoundCloud. Tweet us at Bros or at Paul, or find us on Facebook at Bros. For anything in the Pittsburgh area you're interested in, take a listen to our friends over at RiversEdgePGH.com. Until next time, friends, be brave, be alive, be back next week.